Welcome to the East City Wesleyan Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to learn more about East City Wesleyan Church, please go to ecw.org.nz for more information. Now, here's your podcast. Good morning, church family, and all who are joining us online. I am so excited to be in the sanctuary this week here at ECW, but I have to admit, feels a little bit strange. It's an odd feeling seeing the place empty with just Pastor Joey and I here with the camera. But when I stop and think about it, these times have been so special over the last few weeks. Knowing that God's message and his story is being studied and applied wherever you're tuning in on a screen. Wherever you are, God's meeting with you and showing up in a very special and dynamic way. The best thing all of it all, God's right there in so many different places, scattered around East Auckland, scattered around New Zealand, and the globe as even people from overseas have been able to join us in our special worship services together. How incredibly cool is that? God has chosen to reveal his will to us in a story. Not hundreds of unrelated stories, but just one grand love story for you and I to learn from and experience life's truly changed and transformed. It's all about his love, the creator, loving his creation, and us in return extending that love back to our Heavenly Father. I so desperately want to see this one story, want you to see this one story, because you will be struck by just how far God has gone to get you and I back, to reclaim to perfect unity and harmony together. For those of you that are new and just tuning in now, we're using a special book called The Story to guide us week by week through our studies. And essentially, it's an abridged chronology of the Bible. And this week, we're diving into chapter 13. The story of Israel goes from Genesis chapter 12 to the end of the Old Testament, or the book of Malachi. It is divided into two parts, the story of Israel united and the story of Israel divided. The story of Israel united starts with Abraham and goes to David. The story of Israel divided actually starts with Solomon, chapter 13 of the story. And we, are, we find ourselves today. In the Bible, there are two stories going on at the same time. We have the lower story and the upper story. The lower story, what we're calling right now in this series, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is how we see the story unfolding from our perspective. The upper story is the one that God is writing. He weaves all of our lower stories together to tell his one grand story. The secret to life is to find out the themes of God's story and where God's story is going and point your life in that direction. In the first series that we looked at, Against the Ropes, you can always review or catch up on these if you've missed them uh, right here on our YouTube channel. And we find the story of the garden. God has a vision of creating the universe and the earth, 
and all living things. And he comes down and does life with us in that garden. That vision was lost by the first two people, Adam and Eve. And the rest of the story is God's plan to bring us back to himself. God then creates a brand new nation from scratch called Israel. It will be through Israel that the solution will come, and his name is Jesus. In Genesis 12, God made an unconditional promise to Abraham, the father of this nation, that the Messiah would come from his family. Abraham has Isaac. Isaac has 12 sons. And you might ask, which of these sons will give the lineage of Jesus? God reveals this to us when we come to David. God made an unconditional promise to David that the Messiah would come from his line, which is the line of Judah. No matter what humans do in the lower story, Jesus will come from the line of Judah, the family of David. Jesus will sit on the throne of King David. The promised Messiah will come from the tribe of Judah and sit on the throne of David, as we looked at last week. So it makes complete sense when David dies that one of his sons succeeds him on the throne. Now, David had several wives, which we won't get into right now in in this week's study. And he had several sons. And the one that God would choose to succeed him was not his oldest son, but a son named Solomon. 1 Chronicles 22, verses 7 through 10. Who was born to him from Bathsheba. Yes, the woman with whom he committed adultery, and then subsequently had her husband killed. The firstborn son died at birth as a consequence of David's sin. You would think that God would not choose a son from Bathsheba, but he does. It is a reminder to us that God can take the mess we make and turn it into something truly beautiful. If we will turn to him like David did, he will do the same thing for you and me. In all of our shortcomings, all of our faults, all of our failures, he can make it beautiful. So one thing to keep in mind, even though David made mistake after mistake, God's anointing did not leave him, and grace was continuously extended to him. Why? One, God's promises never fall void. And two, David was an active participant in God's story. He developed a repentant heart and openly received grace and forgiveness for his shortcomings. So what does this look like? You might want to turn your Bible to Psalm 51 and read the words of what it means to be a person after God's own heart. So God's upper story is completely intact and unfolding according to God's timetable. So let's dive into the lower story for a few moments and look at how Solomon chose to live his life and the decisions that made an impact, not only for him, but the people that surrounded him. Right off the bat, 
young King Solomon is faced with a decision from God. So let me tell you the story. It is found on page 176 of the story, or 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 4. And the scripture says this, The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this, kind, this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have anyone been like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. What a remarkable encounter with the Lord. Solomon asked for wisdom. In Hebrew, the language of the Old Testament, the word is hakmah. In Greek, in the New Testament, the word is Sophia. We name our daughters Sophia, but seldom do we name our, na- our, our girls hakmah. So if any expectant mothers are watching, one of you might choose to be the first. So what was Solomon asking for? Or what is biblical wisdom? How do we define it? How do we understand it? How do we long for something very similar? So let me give you this. Biblical wisdom is the skill to consistently apply common sense with a discerning spirit learned from experience or trusted mentors filtered through the word and will of God, leading to optimal success in life. Now, that's a little... Uh, busy of words to define what this is. So let's unpack that a little bit. Wisdom is a skill. It is not just about knowing the best thing to do. It is actually what drives you to do it. Consistently, the benefit comes through perpetually making good decisions. It is like compounding interest. It gets better and better. 
A lifetime of wise decisions produces great fruit. It is common sense that you either learn from your own life experience or better from carefully selected mentors in your life. People you look up to, people you know personally, people you listen or read about. If I ask you, who are your mentors? Would you have an answer? Would I be impressed by your selection? Or more importantly, would God give you a nod for your choices? Inviting people to speak wisdom and truth into your life. Wesley summed up the process of spiritual wisdom in checks and balance, if you will, with a term called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Scripture, experience, reason, and tradition. Where and how we determine truth is not something that we ought to take lightly as Christ followers. But in every endeavor, we should embrace the validity and live it out through actions. Embracing truth on all fronts as we endeavor to be more like Jesus in all that we say and do. So where does the rubber meet the road, if you will? Solomon's story. Cut a baby in half. It's quite a strange way to look at things. And you can find this in Solomon's life on page 177 of the story or in 1 Kings chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Two prostitutes come before King Solomon. They lived in the same building and both of them had babies just three days old. They lived, um, the first claims that the other lady accidentally smothered her baby in the middle of the night and got up and switched babies, and now claims that the alive baby is hers. Who was Solomon to believe? He wasn't there. He wasn't present. He applied common sense with a discerning spirit. He ordered one of his men to cut the alive baby in half and give, give each woman an equal portion. One of the mothers said, Okay, okay. Don't kill the baby. Just give the baby to her. Solomon discerned from this the identity of the real mother who would rather give up her baby than see the baby die. And folks, there's a lot more to this story that we can learn from. And it gives us a powerful insight for the option of adoption over abortion. The value of of life and the love for God's creation amongst humanity. So biblical wisdom is more than simple common sense. It's something that's filtered through the word and will of God. So what does this mean? This is very important. So listen carefully. God's ways are higher than our ways. He knows how life works. He knows the ins, the outs, the struggles, the hurdles that we face. He created life and wired us a certain way. He has values and a vision that he wants us to be in tune with. His will is found in his word. So the wise guy tethers himself or herself 
to the word of God, the Bible. There's a difference. So listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. We, of course, have plenty of wisdom to pass on to you once you get your feet on firm spiritual ground. But it's not powerful wisdom or popular wisdom. The fashionable wisdom of high-priced experts that will be out of date in a year or so. God's wisdom is something mysterious that goes deep into the interior of his purposes. You don't find it lying around on the surface. It's not the latest message, but more like the oldest. What God determined is the way to bring out the best in us long before we ever arrived on the scene. So keep in mind that there's a condition. God told Solomon this would all work out as long as he walked in it. And he did for the first part of his reign, but he gets off track and he loses his way. First, he kept adding wives to his harem. On the bottom of page 191 in the story of 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 3, we are told that he had 700 wives and 300 concubines, which are essentially legal mistresses, if you will. So this is really 999 too many. But that is not the real problem. From a human or worldly perspective, this seemed wise because Solomon was forming political alliances with other nations. You marry another king or ruler's daughter, and you can secure some great favors. You can achieve peace, right? Well, politically, it's how things worked. However, these foreign women worshipped other gods and eventually talked Solomon into giving them exactly what they wanted or in their belief system, what they needed. Solomon was into building temples for them and allowing them to worship their foreign gods. This is a violation of the first commandment of God, that you, have, you shall have no other gods before me. God warned him of this very thing personally. When it comes to biblical wisdom, this is foolish. And as we will see next week, this is going to divide the entire nation of Israel. It's going to create a ripple effect of problems that will impact many. So, one more thing. This brand of wisdom is something you must ask. You must ask of our Heavenly Father to receive. It is not automatic. Solomon asks for it, and God gives it to him. It served him very well in all aspects of life and helped him to lead and rule over the people in which he was appointed. And a similar invitation is extended to you and I. James 1, through, James 1, 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So, we're coming out of lockdown. We're finding and reclaiming new routines 
and getting back to life in how it was in our new normal. So why not start on the right foot of implementing some changes, of reclaiming things that we've rediscovered through quiet times and uninterrupted times of being at home? Ask God for his wisdom in making decisions from day to day. Keep tuned into that still small voice guiding you in all things. But if you do this, you have to be all in in your commitment and your belief. It is the only way he will give it to you. So James 1, 6-8 says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So do you want stability in your life? Do you want to face whatever comes your way and know that it will not break you, but it will be, in essence, something to make you grow, to grow more in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Then ask for his wisdom. (coughs) And let us get busy in God's story. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for revealing to us the stories in Scripture where people get it right but also where people get it wrong. Of giving us a peace of mind and peace of heart that um, we're not going to be perfect from day to day. We're going to make mistakes, and God, that's where your love shines brightest. Of extending grace and forgiveness to us, even when we drop the ball. But God, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit will give us wise discernment will give us intuitive ways to navigate the complexities of this life, to help shape and mold mold us into the likeness of your son, Jesus, that our lives would be worshipful, to honor and glorify you in all we say and do. So God be with each and every one of us, we pray in Jesus' name.